Welcome to In the Midst, a podcast where we make room to sit in the midst of grief with others. I'm your host, Alyssa, and I am joined today by my friends, Jill Shigley and Paige Creasy. All right, it's good to be back. I am joined today by two very special people, um, my friend Jill and my friend Paige. You guys want to say hi? Hi. Um, Paige, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, my name is Paige Creasy. I was born on July 12th of 1998. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm Paige. I am a, a graduate from Indiana Wesleyan, where I met Jill and Alyssa. I currently live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm working as a nanny and also a missionary to the college-age people here. And, yeah, I really, really love coffee. <laughs> as always. <That's> good. <laughs> the important things. Exactly. I think that's a bonding part for yeah. the three of us. Oh, actually. for sure. <laughs> I do die myself for the Duncan runs. That we go on, no. they are not my first pick. But to be with you guys, always. Oh, <laughs> thanks for the sacrifice. I really appreciate it. Of course. <laughs> um, and I am Jill. I also graduated with you guys um, from Indiana Wesleyan. I got married right after college, and whoop, whoop, actually to Alyssa's cousin. So that's yeah. really fun. Um, and we moved out here to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Where there is no Duncan, sadly. Oh, so sad. And I have been working as a nurse uh, in a hospital here in town. And it's been really great. And they both are great at what they do. Um, so I met Jill and Paige separately, but both of them I met through my cousin Noah, who Jill ended up marrying. Um, mm-hmm. I met Paige at McCon Coffee. That is where we had our first interaction. Um, and from that moment on, I think we we sat down with our friend JC after a basketball game. Do you remember that? And we we shared testimonies and just got to know each other. And I think from then on, you and I just were, were really good friends. Yeah. yeah. And eventually, we were part of two different friend groups. But eventually, uh, we both became a part of this close-knit group that ended up while we were part of you know a larger body and larger community we got to spend a lot of good quality time together and that was so Mm -hmm. special yeah yeah um and then Jill and I I remember the very first time Noah showed me a picture of Jill he was like I went swing dancing with this girl do you think (laughs) this is what she looks like do you think that was okay (laughs) (laughs) um and from then on I I had heard about Jill from Noah I didn't end up meeting her until either the end of our first semester of our freshman year or right at the beginning I can't remember but we got lunch together and we just hit it off like Mm -hmm. right before this we were talking about how we all met and Paige said I think the Lord would have brought us together regardless of Noah so sorry Noah you don't really get a lot of credit because I think it is I would like to say that it was, you know, just me having bold faith, but also it could just be having spite towards not wanting Noah having the credit. <laughs> Which is <laughs> also <you> valid. <laughs> um, and Jill and I lived together a couple of years in college and were roommates and good friends. We spent ev- a lot of time together. We were a lot of time together. <laughs> tied to the hip. And it was great because in our friendship, in, our, in all our years of friendship, I think we've only experienced one conflict, and it was like three years later. So while we spent a lot of time together, Jill and Paige um, alike, we have always just, it's been like having sisters, having family. Um, so that's a little bit about how I know them. How did you two meet each other? I think it was also, I think it was towards the end of... It was first semester. semester. Was it second semester? Maybe right towards the beginning. Yeah. I actually remember one of the most distinct memories that I have is sitting at a basketball game with you. And that was one of the first times I've had a full conversation. And I think towards the end of that game, we decided that you were going to live with us. (laughs) So here, I just met you. You're already going to be my roommate next year. Wow. 
that's good to know. I honestly like Jill, I love you, but I don't remember when oh. we met. My <laughs> first memory was in the commons and our friend Drayson was wearing all blue and <laughs> Alyssa hated that because it reminded her of sharks. And Jill was sitting there and I could tell that you and Noah liked each other, but I was new to the friend group and I didn't know what to do. And I was like, wow, um, there is a lot of flirting happening here. Um, and I just remember Jill was like super sweet and precious. And I knew if Noah did anything dumb, I would have to say something. It's hard. It's your first memory. I know. <laughs> Sorry. It's hard because we have had so many memories together, big memories in the last uh-huh. four or five years. So it, it's hard to remember the first one because so many are core. And so you just kind of. Right. Um, speaking of early memories, Jill, what is your earliest memory of losing someone or observing grief in some way? Mm-hmm. Okay. So growing up, I actually have not lost many people I've have had distant relatives um lose their life so I guess that's my first experience of loss but true grief I would say the first experience was actually is going to be the story that we'll be talking about today for me yeah which is good because I think that adds to your perspective and experience mm-hmm. Paige what about you yeah I definitely was um a little bit younger with my first experience, I was in, I was going into the fourth grade. So about eight or nine, um, I had a classmate who she was in Lake Michigan and her little sister was having a trouble, like, um, I guess withstanding the waves. So she ended up saving her sister's life, but she ended up, um, getting pulled under. And so that just started this whole process of like my parents trying to explain to me that Kiara wasn't alive anymore and what that meant to like an eight or nine year old and going to visitations in the funeral and seeing my classmates, um, going through that at such a young age, but yeah. So like eight or nine. That's so young and so unique. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. So, hard. so Jill and Paige are here to Share today what it's like to be a friend to someone who is grieving, uh, to give a little bit of a unique perspective of what it's like when you haven't necessarily lost someone, but you are closely in relationship with a person who is grieving very deeply. So, Joe, would you mind sharing with us um, who it is that you closely supported and um, what that looked like for you, how that started? Mm-hmm. So it was at the end of our freshman year, we, um, a few of us were driving back from Chicago and this is when Alyssa, you got the call that your dad had passed away. Um, so I was there on that day and we had probably, uh, maybe an hour, a little over an hour drive back to get to your house. Um, and so being in the car with you that day was very surreal and something that I'll never forget that moment. Yeah. Um, so I hopped back in to the back seat with you and kind of just held you. Um, we, oh, I just remember we did, I feel like in that hour, it felt like eternity. We, I remember we listened to worship music. We were reading Bible verses. You were, you were reciting Bible verses from memory, um, just crying and holding each other and praying the whole way back to get to your house. Um, and so even though I never knew your dad, just knowing you and then seeing your family walk through this, I would say that that was my, I was feeling real grief in that, even though I didn't even know the person who died. Yeah. Yeah. Over the years, um, we've talked a little bit about that day because there's so much that I don't remember. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't remember reciting verses in the backseat. I remember you crawling back there with me. Like, we had pulled off the car. We had stopped on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. Um, You told me that I ran out into this field and screamed. Do you remember that? And then we got back Mm -hmm. in the car. And I remember you 
getting back there with me, but that's the extent of it. So it's been very cool to be able to hear that day through your eyes over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, And Paige, do you want to share your side of the story? Yeah. um, So I actually, I think what had happened was, I think our friend Garrett told me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the heck? And I was at school still for like postseason for softball. Um, Actually, I think, man, I, yeah, we were, we were in um, like postseason and getting ready to go to the tournament. And I just remember being so shocked to my core of like, oh my goodness, like, and like, I didn't know what was appropriate as far as getting to support you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I like, and obviously I'm from Michigan originally. And like what had happened was you guys used to live in Lansing. And so um, you guys had two funerals, one in Indiana and I'd missed that one and one in Lansing. And so I like made my way to that one. Um, and I like, didn't know your family at all. Um, and I didn't really know the cer- situation at all. I didn't know that you guys were in the car when you got the call. I, I had no idea what was going on. And I just found out bit by bit um, from other people and just like walked through like, like basically walking in blind um, of just trying to figure out like where can I fit and how can I help and what does she need? That's how I met your siblings was at the funeral mm-hmm. for the first time at your mom. And like, like I like had to reintroduce myself a couple of times just because of everything you guys were going through. Like, like I was not like remembered because of all of the things that were happening. And it's like, yeah. and so it's just like learning how to like, I don't know. Um, be like a puzzle piece that you're not that's not seen being put in Hmm. yeah I remember I vividly remember like what you were wearing the bag that you had um from that day because it meant so much to me Mm -hmm. and it was kind of like a going through the motions thing like I I spoke at both of my dad's funerals and it was just kind of this like root at that point even though it was only the second one it was like okay we're doing this again and you just kind of move robotically Mm -hmm. a bit but one of the things that does stand out to me the most is that you showed up for me on that day and at that time our friendship wasn't even nearly as strong as it was as it is now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah and that was that was really special to me so that summer you both ended up coming to visit a couple times uh throughout the two months that we were apart um I don't know if you guys do you have any memories from that summer uh yes um I I think it was again and I was like middle or end of May but there was a group of us that came Mm -hmm. down to your house for curry I believe um because it's a big thing family does (laughs) yeah (laughs) um first time that was the first time I ever came to your house actually um and I think I just remember wanting to like help you guys feel normal as best as I could. So like helping your mom clean and like trying to be funny, but also like, yeah, being like, do people want to laugh right now? Do people Mm -hmm. not want to laugh? But we have a couple of like inside jokes actually from that day, you know? Yeah, we do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I think that was one of my main memories from that summer too. Honestly, all of the times that I've come, to visit your house, Alyssa, are all running <laughs> together. So I can't yeah. I know, <laughs> specifically think of like other memories of that first summer. But yeah. um, I do remember coming with that group when Paige was there too. Um, and I do remember just being with your family and it was a few months, maybe just two months after. And I remember thinking how, like, I don't know what, I mean, there's no set timeline, but I have no idea what two months. I mean, I don't know how to grieve with someone the first day, but I right. think that was like first time being back with your family since that first day. So I just remember thinking, how do I grieve with you guys two months later? Yeah. And I mean, that's been a continual thing for the next three years is, okay, what does one year out look like? Right. And what does two years look at, look like? And it, I mean, I'm learning it's different yeah. for each person um, and it's, yeah, different each day. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And there are days that are more surprising than others. Like mm-hmm. this year on my dad's birthday, we were in Nevada um, on spring break 
And I was not expecting to wake up and feel so overwhelmed with emotion, but I was. And I just laid in bed and cried for like the first hour or two of the morning. And it's so, it just is so unpredictable. Um, but I remember, yeah, I remember that day where you came and you were helping my mom clean Paige. And I remember celebrating Jill's birthday and yes. I have a video of you <laughs> blowing out candles on the cake and mm-hmm. yeah. Walking down to the field and playing football with your brothers and yeah. sister. Mm-hmm. And trying to continue like end of semester traditions, like talking about, okay, yeah. what was the perfect week from this year? And Uh-oh. yeah, there were so many times where we... It was it was so unpredictable and we just tried to go on about life as normal. But like what was normal, you know, mm-hmm. um, but the thing that did stick out to me the most in that summer is that you guys were present and you were around and not just for me, but for my siblings, too. Like you you guys made sure that they were being seen and heard and that they got quality time. And now I think because of that, I think years of friendship have added on to to that. But I think because you were around for so many of those pivotal moments, like you guys both have really special relationships with each of my siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a little bit about what the summer looked like. But um, we came back to school in, was it August? Mid-August. Mm-hmm. Mid-August. Um, and you guys were both, we were all entering our sophomore year and you guys are both student athletes so um what did that first semester look like for you and our relationship what was what were some moments that stick out from those months I think um what was honestly really fortunate for the situation we were walking in was that Jill and I lived together um and so it created an like a space for like Alyssa to be able to come in and just be with like both of us if needed. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think um, probably the most profound moment that I remember um, was like before school even started, I think was like an SO week when we were all doing something. Like I was a peer educator, Alyssa, you were on Woo Crew and Jill, you had training um, for cross and we were all sitting in our living room at night and it was, it was dark for some reason. And Alyssa walked in and you could honestly feel the atmosphere like shift. Mm-hmm. And we all knew that like we needed to be there. Um, and Alyssa, oh, man, I can't remember what you said, but it was just like, can I like, Oh, all you said was, can I stay here tonight? And then you just started like, mm-hmm. and we all ended up sleeping out in the living room. And I think I just knew from that moment that like, this was going to be like, um, a slow walk and then we needed to go at the pace that needed to be. Um, but yeah, that was for sure the most profound moment and nights like that followed, um, of yeah. just like wanting to create a space. Like I remember, I really think our room was just like in the beginning, a safe space for you. Like mm-hmm. I would walk in and Alyssa would be there. No one else was home. And it was like, I remember you being like, is it okay that I'm here? And I was like, absolutely. Like, please. Um, but yeah. Um, I think being able to just like, be available and listen even when I might not have an answer and like give you like like if you needed like like comfort or like to be held or prayer or silence that was always hard was to just like let you be in silence and I'm like what is she thinking right now do I want her to be like in those head spaces like do I need to do something but um yeah those are that was kind of how the first semester went for sure um yeah that first semester was I mean coming back to school I knew that it would be a whole adjustment for all of us because it's back to school routine um and that's just so different and learning how to be there with you um whenever you needed um and yes I do remember those those nights when you would come in and it would be the three of us. And I remember so much, there were so many times where Paige would be crying with you, Alyssa. Yeah. And then other days it would be me crying with you. Mm-hmm. I just remember, I'm not sure if this was helpful, but it just seemed like it happened a lot where if it was the three of us and one person would be crying with you and then the other person 
was there, not crying, but kind of just praying over right, like the anchor almost. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I just remember, honestly, there were several memories that come to my mind where Paige and I would kind of alternate, and we never planned at that. It just kind of happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The authenticity in those moments was so beautiful to me and it does stick out. I I remember you guys crying with me and I remember hearing your words of prayer being spoke over us. Um, and I think something none of us expected coming back and going into that semester was, I mean, it was what, like four or five months since he had passed. And no, I don't think any of us expected me to be grieving that intensely five months out like I think when we look at grief like we assume that people are right afterwards like experiencing the height of their emotions at least that's sometimes what I think movies and shows depict is like that immediate sobbing and it just is never ending and like those are the worst days but in my experience that was not it at all like you're just in shock and it kind of feels like you're like walking through this fog and um I I felt like I had to be the rock for my family that summer so I didn't mm-hmm. process any any emotion and I and I just shoved it down just in case someone else in my family needed to because I was mm-hmm. like well one of us has to be stable enough to support the other and so coming back to school that all just kind of fell off my shoulders and you guys were safe places for me and your room was I remember waking up and my eyes being like swollen from from crying so much the night before and and I remember being in awe at the way that you guys would just you had been up just as late as I had and been just as emotionally drained as I was and you still were going to class and going to practice and enduring some really hard physical stuff um and it just even now when I look back at that I'm so shocked at like the sacrifice that you guys are making because we were we were kids I mean we were young um and I think that just goes to show how both of you really were leaning on the Lord um what were some of the hardest things for you on those nights or in those moments like what were you wrestling with mentally when I was coming to your room and taking time and crying and what was that like in for you, Jill, like in your head? Yeah, I remember wrestling with kind of something that Paige, you just brought up is, do I say, do I speak and use words right now? Or do I just remain silent? Um, yeah, and just wrestling with not knowing what to do in those moments and what would be most helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I'm finding is, I mean, there's was some days where it was needed to use words in those moments and just being so careful about my words because I didn't want to make the situation harder on you or say something that would just be wrong and make you sad um yeah I remember just wrestling with what to say Mm -hmm. what about you Paige yeah I think man I think I actually like didn't realize how much I've blocked that semester out just because there was there was a lot going on in my own personal life but I just remember like yeah I think Alyssa said it earlier um of just like she remembers that we would stay up late with her and we would have practice the next day Mm -hmm. and like class all day um I also was like in a role where I was helping freshmen for the whole semester and going through some stuff that was happening at home and but I just, I was like, I don't, I don't want Alyssa to feel like a burden and I don't want her to like feel rejected by a space because I remember what it was like grieving multiple different times and feeling like I had no one that actually just wanted to listen. And so my whole goal was to do everything opposite of what I had mm-hmm. received, even though I was like, I was spent. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know what boundaries were appropriate and I didn't know how to communicate them. And I don't think I really wanted to because I was like, I don't want, I don't want to see one of my best friends like alone and I have something that I can give her. Um, yeah. And then also like shedding the mindset of like, I'm the savior. And like, I think yeah. 
because mm. I can add shit to, I think Jill too, you have this tendency, but I don't know if it, if you wrestle with it the same way that I do, but like we both lean more towards like caregivers. Alyssa, you would do as well, but you don't count in this situation. <laughs> but um, yeah, like we all lean towards caregivers and it's like, if I had a free moment, my mindset was like, okay, how's Alyssa doing? What does she need? Can I help her? Is there anything I can give her? And I had to like, I had to just learn that process as the semester went. And it was really, it was really hard. But um, So looking back now, what, what boundaries do you think you could have put in place for you to remain healthy and not so spent? I think um, I should have had time where if I had free time, like I should have turned my phone off rather than like checking in and just giving myself an hour or two. Um, and honestly, I feel like maybe Jill and I could have worked together and like been like, Hey, um, have, I think we probably did a little bit of like, Hey, how are, how, have you talked to her? How is she doing? Mm-hmm. Like, you know what she needs or like having a day where I tell Jill, like, Hey, if you just need the whole day and she, she like needs something from you, feel free. Like I would love to be able to step in and take care of her so that you can have a day and then like vice versa. Um, just to like, cause it's like, when you love someone and they're going through grief and things start to get really heavy and you're constantly in a caregiver role and you need someone to look at you and care for you. It's so easy for bitterness to creep in. And it's like, I I know that I had bitterness in my heart at times. And it's like, I look back and I'm like, I'm so sad that I ever had this feeling or this thought towards this person that I love that's going through Mm -hmm. like all this. No, but I think that's so, I mean that's real that's real life and if you had done it on your own then I think that bitterness would have remained and it would have turned into something bigger but Mm -hmm. pretty much what you just said is you leaned on community and Mm -hmm. you pulled in other people and were like hey if you need this or here's what I need let's communicate and figure out how we can take care of each other and that's so beautiful Mm yeah yeah Jill, do you also feel like you walked through some times where you were just completely spent and exhausted? I do remember feeling spent, just kind of like what Paige was saying, um, having our own things. Um, My biggest thing was time and lack of sleep some of those nights. Um, But again, in the moment, I was just putting aside everything. It was almost easy to put aside everything that was going through in my mind because I was just thinking of what you were going through, Alyssa. And I think that was just easy for me just to not necessarily compare, but just think that nothing else matters except for being um, with you in that moment. And so I think days moving forward from that, um, I think that did affect me and because I was, I was probably giving too much of myself at times that I probably wasn't as effective in caring for you because I didn't take time to retreat for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's been a learning process and what Paige was saying, community has been huge because I think something that has also been hard for me is I, I remember having my own grief in this, like I yeah. felt like I was missing your dad yeah. or there has been like, I've driven back from my house back to Iwu before. And I remember getting back to Iwu and I just needed to process with someone because probably for that three hour drive, I was thinking about that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. trying to learn how to grieve on my own, but I mean, reaching out to community was huge. Um, and I think that that was such a huge blessing that mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Where did you find community, Joe? Like, where was that main support where you were able to ask your questions and pour out your heart and say, I need someone to care for me? Mm-hmm. Um, I did go to counselor and that was huge for me. Um, also talking with the people who are walking with you, Alyssa. Um, So I did turn to you, Paige, to some of our other friends who also were walking with you and kind of understood where I was coming from, too. Um, I would talk to Noah and talk to his family because they also, I mean, they lost family as well. They lost an uncle or 
brother-in-law, they lost two. And so finding people who understand and they let me have that space too. Yeah. That's so good. So for both of you, what did caring for yourself look like? Cause you both kind of hit on that. You needed to take time for yourself. Um, in what ways did you do that? I totally failed at this. <laughs> like, completely, utterly destroyed the possibility of even thinking it was sort of done well in my life. There was no, none. Like, and that's like, I think at the time I was going through a season where I thought self-care was selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, yeah, playing softball. There was a ton of stuff happening on the softball team. A lot of people needing care there. I was the peer educator and freshman processing their first semester with me. Um, yeah. And so I, I like didn't know how to say no. And I didn't know how to do things I liked. I didn't know how to implement going to see a counselor. So I literally didn't. And I think I, because of that also lost sleep, which obviously didn't help. Um, so I think Jill should answer this question. Um, kind of like what I was just mentioning, I did go see a counselor. Um, my cross country team, they were a safe space for me too, which was really nice. And even just going on runs alone was a good time for me to process. Um, I think running alone has been, um, I mean, in all of college, if I was stressed about anything about life circumstances, running alone was just a good place to process. Um, I had great coaches and just great people pouring into me. So I'm, yeah, so thankful. I know I couldn't have done that without, without those people. Yeah. I think something that we shouldn't be afraid to say is that friendship dynamics change within grief. And I think for the grieving person, that's a little scary because I mean, I went into that semester thinking I can't cry around people and I can't show this emotion because Anytime I walk up to a group, they're going to be like, oh, here comes Alyssa. She cries all the time. So Mm -hmm. I felt like I had to like move that way, way down and and hide it and not allow that to come out because I didn't want to lose my friends. And that was like a real fear. And I don't even know where that came from because this was the first biggest grief experience that Mm -hmm. I was going through. And honestly, now I'm thinking a lot about how we've said that community in this is so important. And the truth about grief is that it feels lonely and it feels isolating. And so, of course, the enemy wants me to believe that, like, my emotions in this process are too too big for my friends and that they're going to turn away. And the truth is, some people did. Like, some people mm-hmm. couldn't handle it for themselves and and those friendships have now ended and that is sad um and it's worth grieving those but Mm -hmm. like I think between the three of us it's been um a constant thing of saying yeah this is really hard and our friendship looks a bit different in this season but we're gonna stick through it and we're gonna figure out how to navigate that together right I think something that's super fortunate that I am just now processing too is like my friendship with you, Alyssa, really didn't have, like, individuality to it or, like, authenticity to it in the, like, realm that it does now um, before walking through this, yeah. you know? And, like, because we would only really have fun together right. before. Right. And so most of our friendship is based off of the idea that, like, you and I can be whatever we need to be in that space because of like the reality of walking through this. And it's honestly the one, like it's one of the greatest gifts in my life. Um, Not that I would ever say I want to go through it again, but like (laughs) definitely like one of the most special and preserved friendships that I have. Mm -hmm. I would agree. Yeah. That's such a good point Paige. Um, The way that our friendship has grown over the past three years has Mm -hmm. been incredible. And I mean, through those years, I know we're talking about how we are walking through grief with you, Alyssa, but the ways that you have been such good friends to us. Yes. I mean, I don't want to go through this whole talk and not even bring that up of how you have been 
such you've been there when we have been struggling mm-hmm. um and so it's how reciprocal this whole friendship has been and how deep it can be mm-hmm. and honestly through the those years i remember thinking that our friendship cannot be shaken like yeah. i remember thinking like there's nothing that could come between us yeah. like that's how like strong i felt because of how close our bond was or how strong our bond was mm-hmm. yeah and i still feel that way like I just can't imagine anything because we've walked through so much together, not just my own experiences, but yeah, each of you have been through your own hardships and your own losses in your own way. And I, yeah, I totally agree. I remember Jill that when we came back for the semester, you were walking out of Macan and I was walking out of scripture and we ran to each other by the fountain and just cried out of relief of like seeing each other after not seeing each other for two months. And in that time, in that space we had we had some conversation about how um our hearts are kind of on this different wavelength like this different playing field because we have been bonded together by this massive traumatic Mm -hmm. thing yeah so at the end of that semester I went and sat down with a professor whose class I was failing um and she confronted me and just said hey what's going on I see that you're not doing well and I would like to know like what's driving that and that professor was Amy Ludke um and just the five years that she and I have walked through together but after that semester in in that meeting Amy offered to uh kind of counsel me um not I mean I didn't you know walk up to a professional center and sign in and and all that but she just I think the Lord just impressed it on her heart and to that I would be eternally grateful because um, her guidance in that I think changed again our friendship dynamics I don't know if you guys would say that do you think that there was a difference after that semester when I started meeting with Amy in the way that you supported me and in the way that you found a little bit more energy and rest in your own life regarding like grief and doing that together yeah I remember being relieved when I found out that you were meeting with someone professional who has experience with grief and knows how to walk with someone who is walking through grief um because there were so many things that I knew I couldn't say or do I didn't have that wisdom or experience Um, so I remember being thankful that I could be your friend and not be a counselor to you. I, yeah, just having that role as just your friend was great. And then knowing that you are getting poured into and guided by this person who knows and cares so much about you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I saw a huge change in our friendship just because I could be your friend. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I would also agree. I think like it, it just like created the space for our friendship to be a friendship again. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think too, like it gave us like a tool in our pocket of like, if you were with us and talking about something, it was like, Hey, like, I think you need to go see Amy, like, or Hey, have you seen Amy lately? Like, um, rather than like, yeah, feeling like I'm in the dark and like, trying to like find the light switch of like okay what's going on here like how do I help with this situation because again like what Jill said we don't have that training and we have a bunch of other things going on in our lives and so it it was it was really like a huge asset I think to preserving our friendship and what I'm hearing is that you guys did feel a pressure to have answers or have coping mechanisms or like have the answers right is that kind of what you're yeah Yeah, like we wanted, we wanted so badly to be there for you, but it was like, I just don't have the actual means for what you need as badly as I want to have them. Yeah. And I think when I look back on that first semester, I don't even, when in coming to you guys, I didn't expect you to have answers. So it was like this huge communication thing, like that you guys felt this pressure and I wasn't even, you know what I mean? Like looking for Mm -hmm. that. And the thing that did continue even after I started meeting with Amy 
was that you guys sat and cried with me and you sat and prayed with me. And the things that you had already been doing were enough. But after meeting me, meeting Amy and having that consistency, it took weight off of you guys to feel like we're the only people that she has. And we ourselves are still trying to figure out life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think there's a stigma around counseling. Like people are fearful of going to counseling. And yeah, Amy, Amy and I, our, our agreement and our meeting wasn't professional, uh, but it was meaningful. And I would totally agree. I think it changed our friendship. It did feel like, you know, we were more free to just be friends. And I still lean on you guys a lot, but it wasn't for answers or for words, which I think is something that we we've talked about in a couple of different episodes, how Christians like to f- fix things with words. And in this whole experience, I think we were all learning that that was not even the most important. Like even Amy mostly just practiced being present with me and allowing me to share and to just speak. And so, yeah, you guys did the best with what you had, but um counseling doesn't need to be a scary thing and I think we are proof of some of the benefits of that yeah mm-hmm. um, absolutely what's something you wish someone would have warned you about being a friend to someone who's grieving like if you could give someone else a warning what would that be my first thought was what you just said with you don't have to fix it with words mm-hmm. the biggest thing is just to sit there Mm-hmm. and either just cry with them or let them cry and just being just sitting in silence and just being that present for them is huge so i wish i would have known that more i mean i would say we learned that but yeah. to implement that right away would have been nice mm-hmm. but also knowing that each person is so different yeah. that if i were to if I were to tell someone what it's like to walk with someone through grief, it could be a completely different experience. Right. So I can give them advice, but it really does come down to, I mean, listen to what the Lord is telling you, but it could be different, but just sitting with them, I think is one of the most impactful things. Yeah. I'm like thinking back on this and I forgot that I was in our pastoral care and counseling class during this season. Oh yeah. And so I'm like, wow, I definitely had care reports that were just from natural interactions. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But being in that space, I say all of that because learning how to listen to the Lord is actually like something that walking through grief with someone is a really great opportunity, you know? Like, um, Mm -hmm. but learning to trust that he is putting you in this situation for a reason, like he trusts you, he trusts your heart, he trusts your mind for this person. And so actually, I think what I would have liked to have heard is that someone could have, if someone would have told me like, yes, like, I feel like we create a great space for you just to be, but there were times where like things were in my head that I was like, I can't say that to her. It's too it might sound too harsh or too blunt or too hard to hear, or she's not ready for that. And it it actually, like, I think looking back, um, you can trust some of the things that come into your head to Mm -hmm. say when your heart's in the right spot, knowing that like God actually wants to use you in that spot. Um, And so I, I think like just to encourage someone and say like, yes, like first and foremost, listen to them and be there for them. But there are times I think that you can trust the Lord in your head saying things that maybe you wouldn't say on your own. What are some practical things um, that you would advise people to do who want to hear from the Lord better in this way? I think there's a decent list that I could probably uh, (laughs) encourage people to do. Um, For sure. You need to be in the word Um, first and foremost, like, like filling yourself up with the word is the best way to hear from the person who is the word, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But then also like creating space for silence where like you're clearing your head by going to the Lord. And like, I wish I would have done that more like taking to the Lord, the things that I'm hearing from you and giving them to him so that he can replace it with things that he has for you. Mm. 
or things that he has for me from the things that I'm receiving for you. Yeah. But yeah, like going on walks with him, journaling would have been like a game changer. I hate journaling and I wish I didn't. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, and asking him questions, he loves to answer our questions. And so yeah. practically I, I, asking him questions, writing the questions down and then believing and knowing in faith, like he is going to answer them. And so whether whenever it comes like being willing to write that answer down too um but yeah i mean it, it really comes down to practicing like remembering like he's our friend and we're with him all the time and like actively living that out on our end too like he's always speaking and so we need to engage too right i feel like our mind so often clutters our brain so we can't hear from him right. so i like what you were saying of how just sitting down and just being quiet. And I think there were times when I was quiet with you, Alyssa, and instead of trying to hear what the Lord was telling me, mm-hmm. I was trying to come up with something yeah. with my own brain. And right. I wish I just would have just prayed in that time and just yeah. let myself hear from the Lord instead of cluttering my brain. Yeah. And so I think that was probably one of the biggest takeaways to hearing. Mm-hmm. from the Lord is just to let him talk to you. Yeah. I think that's where the pressure came from. When we started feeling pressure was when right. we were trying to like cultivate our own, our own solution, our own answer, counsel, whatever. Um, so for sure would agree. Like that's where the clutter came from. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you guys called that out. That it was, it was hardest when you were trying to do it of your own volition and not when you were leaning on the Lord and listening to the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, I think what's so interesting about the way that we, um, we walk through grief with people these days is that, like, it's an inconvenience to the ideal lifestyle that we want. And as Christians, like, it's so important to remember, like, God's sovereignty and this kind of stuff because... Like he's good, like, and he has something for us in suffering. And we don't like talking about that, but it's like, man, like, had I chosen to like look at this as an inconvenience and look at this as like an obligation rather than like a friendship that I dearly love and cherish and it's a gift to me, like, there's so much I learned from this, even if I wasn't leaning on the Lord perfectly, right? Like, I didn't listen to him as much as I could have. <laughs> I, I took on the burden more than I probably should have. But like literally from his sovereignty of allowing me to like be your friend in the capacity that I got to be like, I like, I know for a fact that there's a good work that he did inside of me that has benefited me, like, and hopefully Lord willing benefited others as I've walked in my life. Um, And yeah, so I think it's so important to trust God's sovereignty when we are positioned in close relationship with people to get to walk through things with them. because if we don't if we don't look at it as like an opportunity to learn that's that's another way that we will choose to like take it on an, a, our own and experience burnout experience bitterness maybe result in the ending of a beautiful friendship like um yeah. but yeah and i think when i look back on our sophomore year we were all just figuring this out i mean part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast was because I feel like nobody told me, nobody warned me. I didn't have anyone else's experience to really glean from. And the same I'm finding is true about you guys. Like you were figuring it out as friends who had never walked through this with someone else so closely who had one of you had experienced your own grief and the other had not. And so like, it, it really does amaze me that we are still so close and have stuck together and being the first of our, you know, in our relationship to really go through that. And I think it is a testament to um, the way that God's sovereignty blanketed the whole thing. And we just, we didn't rush out of it. Like we were willing to sit in the really hard, mm-hmm. dark, heavy places and figure that out together. And even if that meant bringing other people in and saying like, Jill, you saying, I can't do this. Like I need to talk to someone 
who is going to be able to support me and going to see counseling and Paige, you like saying, I need time with the Lord. I need to retreat. I need to go out and just practice stillness and all of that. Like we brought those things into the really heavy place and we're just willing to sit there together. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, okay. So someone comes up to you in the workplace or at church and says, my best friend just lost a parent and she is grieving really hard and I have no clue what to do. And they're asking you for advice. And like we've said, you can't really say, Oh, this is probably exactly how it's going to go because people grieve uniquely. Um, But what are some practical things that you would say to them in order to help them be a good friend and help them care for themselves? I think I would tell them first to know, like, as they're walking through this with their friend, like, if they need someone, they can come to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I would briefly share, like, hey, I walked through something. Um, But if you're a strange, like, if it's not one of, if it's not me or Jill, (laughs) and this is, like, theoretical for the people listening, um, I would say, like, yeah, you could also offer up yourself, even if you don't have a grief experience, to just talk to them. And like, listen to them as they go into a space of listening to someone else. Beautiful. Um, Yeah. I would probably preface to them, like they're not going to have all the answers um, and it's going to feel really sobering and heavy at times. Um, But I would encourage them um, to start being aware of themselves when they're like feeling empty and to Mm -hmm. brainstorm things that they enjoy doing that, they can do to recharge. Um, yeah. What about you, Jill? I think I would also um, allow them to ask any questions. Like they could come back to me if they go and reach out to their best friend. And then even a month down the road, if they come into come across something that they don't know what to do, that to that they could come back to me and ask or find someone in their life who has gone through this before um, and just ask. So asking questions would be great. Um, Looking to other people for guidance, looking to professionals for guidance, Um, preface them that this is a journey and there is going to be ups and downs, but you can still be their friend Mm -hmm. um, throughout this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. It really is a journey. And I mean, we we experienced that firsthand walking through year after year and the three of us last year graduating together on April 30th and learning to celebrate this big milestone. And I, I remember waking up that morning and Jill turning to you and asking you if getting up could be the only thing I had to do that day because there was this, I felt so torn. I felt like I was in in between celebration and deep mourning still, even after three years. And you guys were both so faithful in the midst of a big day for you to make me feel seen and make sure that I knew that you had not forgotten. And that in and of itself just meant so much. Yeah. I think kind of going off of that, I think kind of going off of that, um, something that has been, one of the most treasured things I've learned from your family is, man, there was a summer two summers ago where you guys went through a really tragic loss with Landon in your home. And I came down, it was the day before my birthday, the day before a wedding that we were going to. And I didn't want you to tell your family it was my birthday the next day. And you did. And they put out this whole spread of a birthday <laughs> breakfast and I literally your mom you guys do donuts for your birthdays and she's like do you like donuts and I said no because I didn't want her to get me donuts because I wanted her to do anything and I like donuts but <laughs> instead she made me this whole breakfast and I was like oh my goodness no but I just remember Alyssa you looked at me and I was like Alyssa like I, this isn't supposed to be about me and you're like Paige life is is grief and celebration all at once like and I was like how are you going to turn around the day after your friend is like tragically 
get killed and celebrate my birthday when I'm supposed to be down here, like helping your family. And you're like, this is, this is life. And I was like, wow. And so honestly, even though I know that graduation was not like a day that was all it was supposed to be, I honestly think like being able to be in the space with you um, and recognizing like life is both celebration and grief. um, I feel like made us more human. Honestly, like Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I feel more alive because of what we've walked through. And I think truthfully, the only reason that I feel free to say that life is grief and celebration is because I know Christ Mm -hmm. and that makes all the difference because life would be only grief if I didn't have hope in Mm -hmm. the freedom that we find in him and in the promise of eternal life. Yeah. Um, Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Has since walking through this and experiencing the loss that you've experienced, do you read the scriptures in a completely different illuminated way? Oh my gosh. So differently. I think I, I remember heaven feeling so different. Like it, it didn't feel like this far away cloud thing after dad Mm. passed away. Like knowing someone who was there, because I firmly believe that my dad is, is in eternity that he's in the presence of God and knowing someone who was in heaven, this, this thing that we had grown up hearing about and it's painted in pictures and written about in storybooks. And it feels like a fairy tale in that moment. It was real. And heaven becoming real changes your entire perspective on life because the gospel now is so much more urgent to me. Like I want people to know Christ because I want them to know the fullness of life because that's what we've walked through in the last five years. Like the fullness of life includes the deep suffering that my family has endured over the years. And it includes those dark night of the soul moments. And yeah, yeah, I think I, I read scripture differently and I live scripture. Like I live out that calling differently because I think that for that verse, like I've tasted and seen that's not just, I tasted really good fruit. I also tasted really bitter fruit. And because of that, like I, I now know there is, there is way more to life than just prosperity. Like there's bitter fruit out there. And once that's been in your mouth, like you can't really forget the taste, but what you need is right. Like you want to wash that out with water and who is the living water. Like Jesus has made all the difference in in my whole experience and like I've learned so much about lament and I've learned so much about joy and how everlasting that is and I saw this thing the other day that said like if God's gonna make you look like Jesus you're gonna have to walk through some of the things that Jesus walked through and it's pretty clear in scripture and I read it differently now. I read his life differently now and I see the things that he suffered through the loneliness and the pain. And like, there was, there's so much there that I think I missed before because I had not known that heartache before. So yeah, I do think it changes. I love that. And Alyssa, I feel like you seeing your faith has impacted my life so much. I mean, in that car ride, so not even an hour after you found out, I remember we were listening to one of your dad's favorite songs and No Longer Slaves. And I remember you said that you can see him singing to the Lord right now in his presence. And that has stuck out to me so much. Um, And just how immediately you were turning to scriptures and you were imagining what it's like for your dad to be in heaven. And honestly, just the faith that you've had, um, which has been ups and downs in the past few years where you've felt close to the Lord, where you felt distant from him and just walking through that with you, but coming down to you having so much faith in the Lord and that you know he is good no matter what mm-hmm. um yeah. has been such a huge testament of your faith honestly mm-hmm. yeah it wasn't for nothing 
Mm-mm. Yeah. Yep. It wasn't for nothing. I think I'm reminded of that over and over. Like I encounter different people or walk through things with my own family and see the Lord be faithful in their lives and think like they are looking more like Jesus. And in those times where the Lord proves his faithfulness, like I just had one last week where I knelt in worship sobbing and there was a moment where God was like this thing that your family had walked through, like one of my brothers had walked through. um, I am bringing that together for my good. And it took how many years before we saw that? And just being able to thank him, you know, that it wasn't for nothing. And mm-hmm. and I think that will prove to be true for the rest of my life. Like none of those losses, Landon's death, dad's death, Ben, Uncle Paul, Uncle Joey, none of them, you know, they didn't, they didn't die for nothing, even though there were times where it felt like it because the ache of missing them was so severe and things seemed to just continue to be going wrong. Like the enemy really likes to kick me when I'm down. Like even those deep Valley moments were not for nothing. And I think something that was crucial for me was being able to have friends like you guys who believed that when it was really hard for me to believe it. Like when you could believe that for me and pray that over me and speak that into me, like that is why I can sit here and say, I do believe that the Lord is good, even after mm-hmm. walking through all of that and knowing that at 23 years old, there is still more life to be lived and still more loss to be experienced and um, being able to say like through all of that, I know that the Lord is going to prove like that he is still good. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of got off on a tangent there, um, but I really want to, hear from you guys how you have observed walking through grief with me and even experiencing your own grief in that um where do you see God taking those experiences experiences and making you look more like Jesus but also giving you his eyes for other people Mm -hmm. I mean through this whole thing I am seeing more characteristics of the Lord just become more prevalent. I, his faithfulness has become so surreal and just all the examples of how he continues to be faithful um, in the midst of hard times and just remembering who he is and that he can, he's still good and he can do it all again. And um, I think through remembering that um, I've just had more joy in knowing in these hard circumstances is knowing that it is all for a purpose. Yeah. And I think having that joy is um, flowing through him through flowing through us um, just allows us to love people better mm-hmm. and to have this perspective that earth is so temporary yeah. and that yes, we have heaven to look forward to, but we can also bring heaven here on earth and there is no use in waiting to have this relationship with the Lord. Like we can worship him here on earth. And I think that has been such an awesome learning experience through the past four years of just knowing that we can have that deep, intimate relationship now and that we can still look forward to being in heaven with him, but we can experience his goodness now. Yeah. That's good. I think through the journey of walking through this with you, Alyssa, like it hasn't been anything that I've like done or noticed about myself where I'm like, Oh, I look, I can do this and look more like Christ. But it's been like, because of that process of learning how to lean on him, um, learning how to like do ministry with him and learn what's his, what his heart is like. It's just naturally like changed me. Um, but even just alone, the idea of like, not trying to do things on my own, I felt like looked like Jesus because Jesus didn't say anything that wasn't what the father was saying. Mm -hmm. And so the idea, like, I feel like I listen a lot more because of everything walking with you in, wow, that was a bad sentence, but walking through everything with you, um, like literally learning how to just listen 
I think resembles Jesus because Jesus didn't speak mm. without that, without like hearing from the Lord and like with Holy Spirit, like walking with him. And so, yeah, that I think I, um, I think I've learned how to be more present in the moment, like Jesus, more patient and enduring. Um, yeah. It's definitely changed my character, which praise the Lord, because I thought that I was a good person then. And I <laughs> look back and I'm like, wow. God thinks that you're the one that's doing the work because I would have stopped a long time ago. But yeah, I don't know mm. if that is like the best answer, but just like he he's faithful, man. He's good. Mm-hmm. He's a good friend. Yeah. My favorite thing over the years has been learning how God has shaped me and observing how he's shaped you guys and I just really love the beautiful picture of togetherness that that is. And um, I am thankful to have had you two walking with me through that valley um, because it would have been really lonely and really isolating. And there were times where it did feel that way, um, not because of anything that you guys did, but just because the lies that the enemy wanted to feed me and the reality of sometimes you just are like, yeah, nobody gets what I'm going through. And there were times where like you couldn't so closely relate to the hurt that I was experiencing, but what you did that has stuck out and that we've said consistently is you were present with me in that. And I'm so thankful for you both and for the way that you didn't allow me to lean on you too fully to where you became Christ, but that you let me lean on you, pointed me back to who Jesus is. And then you yourselves were leaning on him and relying on him. And man, I'm so thankful. So thankful for your friendships. The feeling is so mutual. Mm -hmm. We're so thankful for you, Alyssa. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys for coming on and being willing to be vulnerable and, honest and share your story it means a lot to me and I hope that friends of those who walk through grief will listen to this and hear practical ways that they can better care for themselves in order to care for their friend Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of fears surrounding grief like feeling like you need to have all the answers feeling like you need to fix the problem Um, and I hope the biggest takeaway is that you yourself need to be spending time with the Lord um And then in turn, the way that Jesus would be a friend to you, the way that he would just sit with you, go and do that for the people in your life who are experiencing such great suffering. Yes. It's a gift to walk with friends through suffering, truly. That's so good. Thank you, guys. Mm